You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Many years ago, when I was at a clergy gathering, I heard for the first time the story of Father Maximilian Kolbe, the Polish Catholic priest who lived and died during World War II. His story is one of struggle, but also of love. Kolbe had a strong religious yearning from early on in his life, and during his childhood received a vision from the Virgin Mary asking him to accept the life of a martyr, which he did. After leaving home at the age of 13 to enroll in a Franciscan seminary in Austria-Hungary, he went on to earn a doctoral degree in theology and philosophy, and he was ordained a priest in 1919, serving as a missionary in Japan, and eventually returning to Poland in 1936, where he resided in a monastery where many Polish refugees and Jews sought sanctuary. He was arrested in 1941, after publishing a newspaper article that strongly criticized the Nazi party. And after a brief internment in a Polish prison, he was transferred to Auschwitz, where even in the face of beatings and terrible conditions, he continued to serve as a priest to the other inmates. Finally, in July of 1941, after three men appeared to have escaped from the camp, Father Colby willingly took the place of a man who was condemned to be executed. It was the only time that someone ever volunteered to take the place of anyone else in the history of Auschwitz. And this is where we pick up our scripture text from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26, otherwise known as the Sermon on the Plain, which closely parallels the more widely known Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. Now this section of Luke chapter 6 comes on the heels of Luke's previous chapters that focused on Christology, that is, who Jesus was, as well as the announcement of the work of the Messiah in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 44, and then a series of controversy and call stories that introduced the disciples, as well as various responses to Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through Luke chapter 6, verse 16. And so this scene itself from Luke 6 reports Jesus' teachings on the nature and demands of discipleship. This is Luke's take on the Beatitudes, as they're referred to in Matthew's Gospel. But we also see in verse 17 through 19 a transitionary setting of the scene, as it were, as we see Jesus coming down from the mountain where he prayed, coming to a level place with, with a great crowd of his disciples from all over the ancient world, had come not only to hear him teach, but to be healed of their diseases and cured from their unclean spirits. And it's interesting to note here how Luke makes a distinction to those who have come to see Jesus with a great crowd of his disciples, implying that there were more than the twelve disciples present there, but also that there were a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him, and he healed all of them, the text tells us. But then he looked up at his disciples and began teaching them with the semi-familiar words we also hear in Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, otherwise known as the Beatitudes from Matthew's Gospel. 
But Luke begins by framing them here in terms of blessings and woes, beginning with the blessings. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. And this entire list you see, which is descriptive of people who are experiencing a lack of something in their lives. Those who are poor or hungry or weeping or experiencing hatred, exclusion, revulsion, or defamation. Describing people going without either food or access to resources or who have perhaps experienced some kind of loss in their lives and thus are weeping and the like. But Luke is saying that those who have or who are experiencing this in their lives are blessed, which can be translated as happy or favored by God. And there's, again, a sense of reversal happening here because not only is the call to discipleship to rejoice in the midst of these difficult things, but also that God's favor will be upon the person experiencing them, which feels a bit backwards, doesn't it? Because success in secular life is often equivocated with wealth. People like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or even the late Steve Jobs, who were or currently are wealthy, are seen as successful in the eyes of the world. And even in a similar vein in religious life, those who serve large congregations or who have written many books or who have drawn great followings of people for their preaching or teaching are seen as successful. And conversely, to be poor or hungry or in need speaks to the opposite, to someone who's a failure, who hasn't worked hard enough or done enough to be successful. And Jesus here is trying to say that people like that are happy or found favor with God. That doesn't make much sense. Unless we take into account the fact that success is a relative thing and that poverty is often a product of circumstance not life choice. And further, that most stereotypes around poverty have more to do with failures of support and the systems that were designed to aid those in need breaking down than it does of individual choices or a failure to do the right thing when faced with those things in one's life. Even so, Luke's gospel time and again makes this clear. The good news of the kingdom of God belongs with the have Nots, the poor, the downtrodden, etc., and bad news for the wealthy, the haves. Since hunger and weeping are treated as aspects of poverty, God's promise is that the hungry will be fed, and further, that God's presence, advocacy, and redemptive work will be seen among the poor, which is a major theme in Luke's gospel, according to one of the resources I consulted. Time and again, we see evidence of Luke warning of the dangers of wealth. And there are echoes here in Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Plain to the Magnificat that we encountered this past Advent season. Now, one of the resources I consulted described it this way. He, meaning Jesus, started by preaching about the fullness that feels empty and also the richness that feels like poverty, the laughter that feels like weeping, and the power and prestige that ultimately feel weak and inadequate. 
we are not readily encouraged to favor meekness and hunger and poverty. In fact, quite the opposite. We are hardwired to look out for self. But Jesus' mission to be a light, not just to the privileged inner circle, but to the whole world, requires that we embrace his mission and prioritize the other, those outside the circle of privilege. Because again, the Christian life is one lived in community. It's not enough for us to have enough individually and not help the one in our midst in need. Our well-being is tied to the well-being of others. We are all connected through Christ, but also through our shared humanity. But unfortunately, Jesus doesn't stop with the blessed are the have-nots, because in the rest of the passage, Jesus proclaims woes to those who have. Woe to you who are rich, who are full now, who are laughing now, etc. Now, I, was, I recall the story of Father Don Giuseppe Burrodelli, the Italian Catholic priest who was 72 and served on the count of Casnigo in northern Italy, who caught COVID at the beginning of this pandemic back in 2020, which we still find ourselves in. But when he was taken to the hospital and given a ventilator, he voluntarily gave his up for a younger patient so that another person's life could be saved. Now, all this happened in the midst of in the midst of Italy's case numbers skyrocketing and the Italian healthcare system struggling to keep up with the need for care before we had vaccines. Father Burradelli died between March 15th and 16th, but he did so knowing that he saved the life of another patient. Father Burradelli was rich because he had access to a ventilator and voluntarily became poor and gave it up for the sake of his neighbor. This is Christ-like love. This is the gospel. This is the call to discipleship. May it always be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Home podcast. Feel free to check out our website, firstumcnewholm.org, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstumcnewholm. Hope you have a blessed day.